0: Hello everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Moose Collective. I'm your host, Lindsay Cabrera, and I hope you're feeling this new moon in Virgo energy right now, which boasts feelings of getting organized and back into your routines. Today, you'll be meeting a DJ and producer duo Carrera and Tavares from Toronto, Canada, who had an immediate connection after realizing their common love for all things house and techno, including their deep passion for the more melodic side. It's through this passion and connection that ultimately led the duo to embark on the Carrera and Tavares project. Having played all the dance floors in their hometown of Toronto, which includes supporting international acts such as Ellie and Fur, My Jan Cools, Dennis Ferrer, Bedouin and many more has not only developed the reputation as both support and peak time artists, but also earned them their place in the dance music community and has helped them develop a loyal fan base. Always bringing heartwarming and energetic vibes to every dance floor, this dynamic duo exudes positivity. Today, we discuss pivoting and adapting during difficult times, Power of energy exchange on the dance floor, their new EP, and so much more. These musical Musai are artists to watch, and you can follow them on Instagram at Carrera and They will also be curating a very special Musai mix, which will be out on September 21st on the Musai Collective SoundCloud. So stay tuned. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And here's Carrera and Taveras on Musai Collective. Hello, Ellen, Valerie, aka Carrera, and Taveras. Welcome to Musai Collective Podcast today. How are you ladies doing over there in Toronto?
1: Hi, um, Lindsay. We're
2: Doing well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so good to have you. And for everyone listening, I met these ladies in the music scene over the past few years in Toronto. And you know, ladies, I always loved your vibe and I feel like we were chit chatting and I always caught your sets when you were playing Electric Island or any other events that we were happened to be at. And you know, I knew I wanted to reconnect with you and have you as my guests let's start off this conversation today and go back in time. And I want to learn about how it all began for you both. And when did you form as a duo? And when did it click for you that this was something that you really wanted to pursue professionally?
2: Yeah, I, don't know. I mean, I can start off. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> our kickoff was pretty organic. You know, we can rewind the time a little bit, but we met in 2017, mm-hmm. really just through a mutual friend. And we were probably going to the same parties, etc. I still remember picking you up, My car that one night, and we drove to one loft and we ended up dancing on a Wednesday probably until the wee hours. And (laughs) figured out that we were both into the same music, we were both DJing on our own prior to this. Al had been you were DJing for,
1: yeah, we were, yeah, I was DJing before I met Ella on my own for maybe like three, four years, and Ella was DJing for a few years as well. And so, yeah, when we both kind of realized we're both DJs. We both like the same music. I kind of was like, do you want to come over? We were also living like across Across the street street. from each other, which was really weird. So she came over, we kind of jammed, had some wine. And so then I remember thinking, I I kind of always wanted a buddy in this kind of journey. I I just always thought it would be more fun to bounce ideas off someone else and kind of share those experiences with. And so, yeah, I think I called you up one day straight up. I was like, do you want to be a duo? (laughs) And it was like a proposal.
2: And she said, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, said, <yeah. laughs> I love it. When, even like the night and we were dancing together, I was kind of like, oh, I kind of want to be a duo. This would be fun. And I think we were maybe both thinking it, but it you know, it just, I was like, oh, you know, everybody's kind of in it for themselves, but well, was, yeah. Well, it sounds
0: like you're I on the same page. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like you're on the same page and kind of like the same frequency, obviously, and very organic. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing. This past year and a half has been a tremendous pivot and also an opportunity for growth at the same time. As artists who were really turning to gain your momentum with international gigs, what was your experience when everything was canceled and how did you navigate through, and how did this pandemic really push you forward out the other side?
1: It was, it was hard because we started off 2020, you know, we played BPM Costa Rica and then like a month after we were in Saint-Martin playing SXM. So we were getting really excited, you know, we were getting this momentum. We played a couple of great parties in Toronto as well. And, and then all of a sudden, I remember coming back from Saint-Martin and it was like 14 day quarantine, you know, and there's nothing in the grocery stores. <laughs> like it, we, we came back to this really weird world reality that I we never thought would be possible. And so I think at the beginning, we, it was almost kind of like, not a joke, but we, we, we were like, oh, this will pass. Joke. It'll be fine. Like, well, you know, we'll get drunk on a Tuesday and it's all good. We don't have to go into work. And so, and then, you know, it just kept getting extended and extended. And we were like, oh my gosh, all of our gigs that we had booked for the rest of the year, all canceled. And I think both of us, you know, Kind of were affected pretty, pretty hard because you kind of get disassociated with this identity that you have as an artist, as a musician, all these things that give you so much joy no longer exist. And then you kind of have to figure out, well, where do I go from here? What is this ever going to come? For a moment there, I almost felt like it wasn't even going to come back because it just kept getting extended and extended. <laughs> Yeah, like I think just mentally, I mean, it was also nice that we had each other to lean on and kind of go through it together because I think it would have hit even harder if you're on your own. And, you know, you start having doubts, too. Like, was all this for nothing? Like, what? where are we going to go from here? Are we going to are we still going to be relevant? And, and all these things go through your mind. And obviously, your inner saboteur can really... Uh, out. come out <laughs> and try and sabotage you and all the work you've put in so far. But yeah, I think slowly, slowly we kind of pulled ourselves out of it, pushed ourselves to kind of, even if we weren't feeling it, just to engage on social media or get together and make music or even just make a mix in our living room just just for us, just so that we could get that feeling again, kind of get the music through our fingers again. Do yeah. you want to add anything to
2: that? <laughs> no, I think, I think you hit the nail right on the head. It was, After four years, and like Val said, we were just working up and we were on the precipice of something that we were just finally ready to kind of take off from everything. It's like a brick wall. And I think any artist or anybody that's been in the scene who has been dedicating so much of their time, their effort, lack of sleep, so, so many other <laughs> issues in balancing life. And just to have that all stop, it was kind of like, I always like to compare this to the simulation of, you know, a simulated car crash with the test dummies inside. You're going one second, hundred miles per hour. And then all of a sudden they're like, here's a wall. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, we like the test dummies in this car, and just trying to, you know, like okay, at first it was fun, a like fun little drive, and then we we're like, no, we we've stopped. We want to get off. <laughs> <laughs> we would like to get off, and hopefully the airbags are working. So. Yeah,
1: I think
0: it was like quite alarming especially for people that worked in live events, such as artists or anyone behind the scenes, because this was also right at the beginning of when festival season would be launching. So that week when the world declared it as a pandemic, global pandemic, that, that week, all of my festival clients, the founders called me one by one, we're canceling, we're postponing till November or et cetera, thinking, you know, it's going to be two weeks or a month or something like that, thinking that November would be more than enough time. And I just... I remember also thinking, okay, so what am I doing? And then all of a sudden you wake up one day and you're like, okay, there's no longer emails in my inbox. Like normally when I would be crazy, crazy busy with the festival circuit all season. And then all of a sudden it was a different pace. Something else that I also realized this past year and a half that I'm quite an introvert and When we were all in our lockdown, I actually enjoyed this time by myself. And, but I also know that for others, this isn't the case. And Ella, you mentioned that to me when we had our chat. So what was this like for you? And how did it make you realize that performing in front of the crowd really give you that energy exchange in your day-to-day life.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I figured out and I always knew I was extroverted. I knew I always loved people, loved to go out. You can put me in a room I, if I'm dead tired and I will wake up instantly, get my energy from the city and seeing people bustle around. And yeah, once that kind of all stopped, like Belle was saying, for the first couple of weeks, it was a lot of fun. of nice to have a little bit of a break but then slowly you know you start to realize that you need that in order to kind of keep going and uh you know val and i both have double live type situations so when you're kind of just stuck in one place inside your condo with nobody else. And I slowly realized just over time, I metabolize all of my maybe negative energy, the stresses from life or the week through playing music and to relate to individuals because I'm not the best with my words, but I'm pretty good when I get behind the decks and I'm like, don't talk to me. I could be having the worst week or the worst day, but to see those people and to connect and feel it it Mm -hmm. and go with it. I I realized, I was like, shoot, I've lost my outlet. Mm -hmm. I like the one thing like people have exercise, people like to paint or, you know, go do this or that. I'm like, my thing was playing music. And where I saw a light at the end of the tunnel for many of my friends that were like, oh, you know, I like to go to maybe restaurants or gyms. Like that was going to open first before... They shoved five hundred people back in a room again. Yeah. So like Val was saying, I was I was feeling pretty helpless.
0: Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I want to shine some light on the topic of falling into a funk or depression, if you want to call it that, because many of us faced this over the last year and a half, whether or not you were in the music business. So, you know, people just generally staying home alone, maybe they're isolated, maybe they actually got COVID and then that's a whole other <laughs> situation. And, you know, everyone was impacted. So what were some ways in which you pulled yourself out of that funk? How did you really support one another?
1: I think we both had a little bit of a different experience. Like for me, at first, like Ella was saying, like you really get so much energy from the crowd and just seeing smiling faces on the dance floor and having that exchange. And then when that wasn't gone, you kind of just have to somehow create it yourself, stuck in a condo. And so I kind of just threw myself into production. I remember early last year, I borrowed a Dejembe drum from my friend and I was just kind of spending hours a day learning it and teaching myself and you know, getting other little toys and spending time playing around with sounds and playing around at Ableton. And I know for Ella, it was hard for her to even look at it. She was just, she, it was almost like, yeah. I don't know, like it, it, you're so you're so sad that it's gone, you can't even associate with it. I yeah,
2: <laughs> I couldn't, I honestly, it got to the point after, you know, first two months, see, I'm good. And I think like you said, when festival season started to happen, empty inboxes, gig dates that we knew were supposed to be, but weren't, mm-hmm. uh, eventually got eliminated. Yeah, I... I was the type where I, like, disassociated from everything. And if I had to, like, keep my gear underneath my bed for a while, like, I couldn't look at it without that, wow. like, emotional reaction. Even listening to music was just so hard for me because I kept thinking... Of my outlet loss. Like it wasn't the same. It sounds like
0: it's almost like a little bit of a grieving process. And I feel like I had that little (laughs) grieving process as well, where I was like, okay, what next? And for me, I think I held so much of my identity with what I did as a publicist in music. Whereas maybe you ladies, you identify, you know, with your music as artists. And when that stops, like I mean, you're grieving and it's like you can't even look at your gear or you don't even want to look at your program.
1: yeah. yeah, And it was
0: like all of your blood, sweat and tears and all these years and years and years of pushing forward and creating new experiences for yourself and networking and working so hard. And then it's just like, like a flat line almost. And then you're like, yeah. hey, like, what do I do now? And I think a lot of artists can resonate with that. You know, yeah, I think, like, I think it's important to overcome that of being so grasping onto that concept of like, this is my only identity and like realize you're more than... What also do you do? So I think that was something I learned as well, and like I, I grieved it. I did.
1: For sure, if you're leaving on your own terms, then you know you can part ways. But when yeah. it's not your choice and you're just forced to to stop what you're doing, and stop what you love, that's hard to swallow. You know, mm-hmm. it's alarming. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> kind of like a, a death and to me it was I think Val was always kind of trying to pull me out of the mud as I like to say I was just kind of there and I let myself be there for a while because I was like I just need to get all this out and I think for me the biggest thing was I got inspiration to want to make music or to play music based off of the people I met the parties that I got went to so when all of that was taken away so was my inspiration mm-hmm. and I was like if this isn't going to be played on the dance floor if this isn't going to be played on this like how in the world
1: yeah it was definitely hard to get the motivation to find new music because every mm-hmm. time we would get big, it would inspire us to yeah. go nuts and go hunting for those new tracks that we would yeah. be excited but when those weren't there I found it really hard like I don't yeah. I think it was a long time where I didn't even search for new music because again it's just I was I was almost like what's the point like kind yeah. just your soul's a little bit broken yeah for sure it's, it's you know it's <laughs> at the end of the day it
0: is about Brazil Resiliency and coming out the other end of things. And I think to be resilient is something which we can learn through our firsthand experiences of hardships and obstacles. And I'm sure many of us, even people listening right now to this podcast can think back on a time when, you know, you thought you'd never get out of this situation or ever feel happy again, whether or not it's like a pandemic or a breakup or whatever it may be. But, you know, to be resilient is to learn how to cope with these adversities and by building your self-confidence and learning how to relax or choosing your responses and so much more. So what are some ways in which we can learn how to be resilient and how can you share with us an example of time when you feel you showed up for yourself and pushed through and came out the other side and you were like, oh, my God, what was I
2: doing? Like, honestly, I think everybody has their own methods to cope. But I'd say my biggest number one tip would be find someone to console in and have a listener so you can basically debrief. And I'd, you know, have sessions with Val where I'm like, I don't need you to say a word. I'm just going to debrief and vent. And then you're just going to nod and we're going to end the conversation right there. And I don't want any dialogue about it. And I think that that in itself is important. But I feel like how I feel like we showed up for each other because it was tough. I feel like even Val and I would be like, I don't I don't want to, you know, I think even sometimes it was seeing each other would, you know, hurt yeah. a little Sundays bit. Some days were harder than others, obviously. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I always
1: try and stay positive in any situation. But I think, I think for me, I really have to like give it to my friends and family. I, I think... Every day, I scheduled a walk with somebody, and I would just go walk for an hour or two, and just talk about whatever, and just get out, get outside. And I think that was something that really helped me, just kind of stay, stay, stay sane, really. And I, you know, you're you're still getting that energy from someone else because sometimes it is. It's hard to create your own energy to keep yourself happy and and energetic, and especially when it's so routine. You know, like Ella was saying, we have double lives, we have full-time jobs apart from DJing, and when that's the only thing you're doing every day and waking up for, that can get really graphic and Mm -hmm. you know so I yeah I would I agree having people in your life that can really just keep you up and and hear you out and you know kind of almost playing with you too sometimes Mm -hmm. (laughs) for
0: sure and I think you know as much as I said I was like oh I'm introverting but the times that I would go and meet friends I realized after being with these friends I was like oh I needed that I didn't realize I needed that because I got hermity I was like yeah you know (laughs) like I painted my whole condo I don't know I don't even know what I was doing but <laughs> I just remember like, and then I'd finally, oh, I started like running outside by the lake and like doing these scheduled walks with friends as well. And I think that really helped. But also I realized I needed to also see friends because it lifted my spirits. Also because I was in that grieving process too. And you know, so something else that I want to talk about is that the cancellation of these live events meant actually, you know, as you just mentioned, more time for producing music and getting in the studio and playing around. So actually you ladies just produced a new album over the pandemic which is out in January. Can you tell us more about it?
2: Yeah, I mean, so... Basically, I think just to kind of even bounce off your last question, a bit of an example of how we would get ourselves or each other through this was just forcing each other to meet up. And if we weren't inspired or et cetera, just to try to like get inspired or to figure things out. But yeah, we have a new album coming out in January.
1: EP, yeah. EP
2: and it's going to be on a label called Canopy Sounds. And we've been working with some other international artists over the course of the last couple of months. We just have a remix come out of ours tomorrow that's on mirrors that's remixed by Kojo and we kind of just started popping around to try to see what other labels really matched our sound and we're a big believer of what Canopy Sounds is trying to stand for is just sound being a conveyor of thoughts emotions and feelings and after a year of where we're all so bent up in our feelings I think we were really drawn to make music that would be released on a label that would resonate and emulate that exact feeling. So
0: that's amazing. I, I know Kenobi Sounds and I actually listen to a lot of their sets on their on their SoundCloud page. So I'm very familiar. Yeah.
2: Actually that's like
1: one of the profiles that I found over the pandemic that I absolutely go it's my like one of my go to profiles. We wanted to be a part of things that we enjoy listening to in our downtime, you know, labels that we love and respect and, and admire, you know, that we listen to every day. We're like, yeah, we want to be a part of that. Yeah,
0: <laughs> for sure. Because when you release on a label, you actually end up being part of that label family. So in the future, when there's label events at festivals, which is usually the case, you're part of that. So it's really great for you in the end. So <laughs> it will happen. It will happen. It will happen. I promise you. Well, we really can't wait to listen to your new EP and I hope we can get a preview in the future. <laughs> actually, everyone listening, The ladies will be putting out a Musai mix for us this September 21st. So keep an eye out for that. And I'm also excited to hear that because I haven't heard you ladies play in so long. So I'm excited. And speaking of, you're actually going to be performing at Electric Island in Toronto this long Labor Day weekend. How are you feeling about stepping back into the music festival circuit And, you know, where do you see the future of dance music and live
1: events going? I think I can speak for both of us. Yeah, you can. We are (laughs) so excited. Yes, I'm sure. Yeah, it's our third year back with Electric Island. So it feels really good to be coming back again, again on the main stage. It's kind of a huge honor. And yeah, like I, I just I honestly wasn't expecting us to have any festivals here in Toronto. So the fact that this just popped up is is a great
2: surprise. Yeah. yeah. And it's fun to kind of see the changes that are happening, obviously, the course year and a half. I think everyone here in Toronto, especially our, you know, the folks that have been throwing the events have just been decimated. So to see them coming back is also just a real token of their resiliency to be able to kind of navigate these waters that are the restrictions that we still currently okay, yeah. have in place, but to be able to make it work. So I think it just shows that our entire industry, our, our scene is very resilient and that we really care about what we do and they're not just parties. I know that everybody kind of goes, oh, you just know it's, it's really not a party, but communities will bounce back and we're seeing that happen here in Toronto right now and it's even more amazing to be a part of it and we're looking forward to supporting the folks that throw events. Yeah, I feel like there's been a lot of uh, different events.
1: I think before the pandemic, it was kind of like the three usual suspects during the events and it was kind of the same thing. But I feel like a lot of people have had that downtime to kind of think and plan and, and, yeah. and kind of get motivated. And we've seen some renegade parties popping up all over the place, <laughs> uh, you know, in very interesting locations. And some of them are amazing. Some of them, I don't know, maybe not following all of the precautions as closely as they could. But <laughs> I think overall, it's it's exciting. It's exciting to see Toronto coming alive again in so many different creative ways and creative creative spaces. And yeah, I think, I think there's going to be a lot of new faces popping up and, and new yeah. event organizers. I also think the great thing is because a lot of international talent can't really travel right now, it's a really good moment for local talent to shine. And I think a lot of organizers are putting way more thought into booking local yeah. talent and, you know, showcasing them appropriately. And, and that's really nice because we have so many talented DJs here, right here in the city, especially female. So many incredible talented d- female DJs. So it's really nice that we, we're getting a little chance to be in the spotlight, you know, rather than all being a national head. Absolutely. And, um, you know,
0: I worked with Electric Island for about seven seasons and I'm so happy to hear that, you know, they're making a comeback this Labor Day, at least. As you were saying that, Valerie, I was thinking, you know, it is really nice that, you know, there are some international artists that are able to make it, but the majority of the lineup is local talent, which is incredible to see. So it's really great to see that they're, you know, thinking about that. And it's an opportunity for our local talent from across Canada. I'm not sure if there's other artists coming from other cities, but it's a great way to start and, you know, kind of like bring it back and like the vibe is going to be vibrant. They're going to be, it's just going to be so positive and I'm so excited for you. So take lots of videos, please. <laughs> well, congratulations. And I'm sure you have more gigs to come in the future. I want to get to the next part of this podcast. If you ladies would love to give a shout out to one or two muses in your life who inspire you. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Music. <my> <laughs>
2: Hello, M.O.S. Yeah. <laughs>
1: There's a if you're listening to yeah. this, uh, MoS Melody of the Soul. You guys, everything they put out is breathtaking, beautiful. We want to be on your label. Sentier. <laughs> <laughs> here. Amonita yeah. has been doing amazing things. All of her live streams have been. Just so creative and just incredible, really. Yeah. And I guess always always Maud. Always Maud just like, Hello Maud.
2: You're also listening. <laughs> yeah. Wait. Their
1: sound really inspires us, you know, also what they've been doing well the pandemic has been shut down, you know. It's also been interesting to see a lot of the DJs that we admire, what they've been doing because some of them have kind of just been quiet and not really posting anything. And, And then others have been posting weekly podcasts, live streams, launching labels, launching new EPs. And it's interesting to see who who is really just truly so passionate about what they do that even if they're not getting paid from international gigs, they're still pumping music out and they're mm. still sharing. Yeah. Those are the ones I think that have really stayed true. Yes. To <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for sharing. So we're going to get to the follow your bliss finale question.
2: Can you share with us one positive affirmation? I, I don't think we have a positive affirmation, but I, I, I take comfort in like one sentence and it's chaos is a friend of mine. Mm. And it's something that I've always kind of resonated with being like, okay, like whatever will be, is going to be. And it, you need to be friended. And you need to open that door and greet it with a smile every day because at least you're alive and things are coming at you and got to be friends with the chaos because you don't want to be- A little chaotic be, energy. You don't want to be, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you need to be, if anything that you taught us, you just don't want to be at odds with that.
0: I know for sure. It's like embracing it. It's like yes, I accept you.
2: <laughs> yeah, even though yeah, you know you're very annoying. Yeah, it's not very positive, <laughs> but, but, but it's an affirmation of that. that, you know, at least gives me comfort.
1: Yes, absolutely. I think for me, I think I would say that there's no perfect moment. The perfect moment is right now because if any, if COVID's taught me anything, it's that you know tomorrow's never promised. You have no idea what's coming up next. So if you have the time today, then you just. Do do whatever that is that you want to do, whatever that goal is, whatever you've been thinking, or even taking that trip or whatever it is. The moment is now. Don't wait on it. That's kind of been uh, my guiding light. There's this uh, artist, Peter Tooney, and he's got this beautiful
0: piece that's all it says is the time is now. And that always stuck with me. And I'm like, yes. Time is now, what are we waiting for? And this this entire situation really made me hone in on that so much more than ever, because I think I saw that piece back in like 2011 and it just always stuck with me throughout the years. And when I was like, you know, setting new intentions or goals for myself, I'm like, but what am I waiting for? Like, what do I want to do? Time is now, I'm going to do it and that's it. So Well, ladies, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. And I'm really looking forward to your Musai mix, which is coming out on September 21st, everyone. And have so much fun this weekend at Electric Island. And I hope to see you in the
1: future. Thank you for having us. This was so fun. (laughs) Hey, ladies, well,
0: have a beautiful evening and we'll talk soon.
1: All right. bye. Bye.